Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Trusted Tech Talks podcast. I'm your host, Manny, and I'm joined today by Chris O'Connor, Software Delivery Manager at MPP Global, part of the Attitude Group, to talk us through his journey into tech and his journey so far with MPP Global. Welcome, Chris. How are you? Really well, thanks, Manny. <laughs> um, really interested there. We, we've started working closely with Chris and... Um, and once I started speaking with him, engaging with him, and knowing more about the brand and the business that he's working for, I thought it'd be really good to bring the attention to the listeners. Um, and Chris is going to talk to us a bit about his journey so far and about some of the good stuff that MPP Global are doing at the moment. So I think things to kick this off, um, it'd be good for you to start off by talking through your journey today and what's sort of brought you to where you are right now. Yeah, of course. Um, so I've been in software engineering since leaving university. Um, I was at the University of Sheffield doing a computer science degree. Right. And I kind of realised very soon that um, the area of kind of what I wanted to focus on was programming, developing. Um, so I left university about 22 years ago. So I've been in software engineering for about 22 years. Right. Makes me sound quite old, to be <laughs> honest. Um but I started out as a Java developer, so I moved from Sheffield um, to Manchester because unbelievably, and I'm with recruitment people here, so they won't believe this, but in 1999 and 2000, trying to find a Java job in Sheffield was actually quite difficult. <laughs> um, Manchester um, at the time was thriving, and you could see that it was um, going to be the place to be for tech jobs. Um, and I think 22 years later, it still is, yeah. which is fantastic to see. Um, so I got a, a job in Manchester as a Java developer, um, working on server-side and mobile applications. Um, so I worked with clients such as Nokia, HP, T-Mobile. Uh, so quite big names at the time, and still reasonably big names. Nokia is not so big these days, but was massive um, back in the early noughties. Still big brands now, though. Yeah, yeah they are. Um, so I, I did that for about nine years as a Java developer, Um and then I moved on to a different company, which um, worked in a slightly different way. They were more of a product-based company. Um, the, the place I worked for previously was more of a services-based, but this was more of a product-based, again, as a Java developer. Um, and I worked on a, a customer care and billing platform. Um, quite interesting area to work in. They've been around a long time, this particular company. Um, I did the Java development role for a couple of years. Um, and then I became a technical team leader. So I started to kind of step away a little bit from the hands-on, day-to-day hands-on, um, but still keeping that technical yeah. slant on it. Um, became a technical team leader and a people manager. So I did a lot of the um, looking after guys, you know, looking after the, the people um, within my line. Um, I then moved on to software delivery management. So more of the planning of, of work and planning of resource and, and projects. Um, and then that kind of led me into MPP Global. Um, so that, that was my kind of journey from kind of starting out 22 years ago as a Java developer yeah. um, and then being brought into MPP Global. That was interesting. It's, um, did that, where did that passion come from to follow that degree did you code when you were younger or? I did do you know what I was going to look this up and try and work out probably what how old I was when I started <laughs> coding um a lot of your listeners will remember um the the BBC micro and the um spectrum 
Um, and, and that's where I kind of started. Um, a long time ago, what you used to get is before the internet, you used to get magazines um, that told you how to code and they would have listings, coding listings. And you could subscribe. Funny, we talk about subscription management. You could subscribe to these magazines and they would arrive on your doorstep every week, every month, whatever it was. And they would have listings, coding listings in that you literally just typed in. So they'd have listings for um, BBC Micro or a Spectrum or whatever it might be. And I was obsessed by this. Um, I loved the idea of typing stuff into your computer, pressing run, and, and something appears whether that's a, you know, a graphic or just some text or whatever. Yeah. It was quite interesting. And the more I did it, the more I kind of realized I, I started to understand what I was actually typing in. So at first, you don't really understand it. You're just literally typing in what you can see. But the more you do it, the more, more you kind of realize, well, I actually understand this. And I can change some of this to maybe work in a slightly different way because I understand what, what they're getting at. Yeah. And I remember demonstrating it to my mum and dad and they were like, oh, great, you know, that's fantastic. <laughs> but I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Um, so it was kind of quite early. I would say probably nine or ten. Right. I got really involved in kind of programming and understanding programming. Um, but then as I went to university, I knew I wanted to still kind of do computer-related work. But I just wasn't 100% sure at that point exactly what. I knew I loved programming. Um, but I knew I liked computers in general. Yeah. Um, but the more I went through university, you can have um, different module options. The more I was tending more towards that coding, the designing of software, and, and that's where my passion laid. Right. How did you feel then when you were moving further away from the tools? Because I'm guessing if you do it from 9 to yeah. 10, was it that... I want to keep on doing it. Or was it, do you know what? It's time for me to start embarking on something else. It was. It, I, I felt more and more in my career that I was, I was being more of a sounding board for the developers. So I'd be given more guidance than actually doing hands-on. And to be fair, I actually preferred that. So the skills I've been learning over kind of nine or 10 years as, as being a, a developer, um, I could relay that quite easily to some of the junior people coming in. Um, and I think maybe my managers at the time kind of spotted that ability to talk and, and explain things to people. And I actually enjoyed doing it as well. Um, I actually did about 12 years in total as a developer. Um, and when the technical team leader role came up, again, it's still staying technical. Yeah. But it was, it was that gradual move to management. Um, and I, I just felt I was getting more pleasure out of being the guy that people came to with problems or issues or needed a bit of steering or, you know, a bit of support. I, I kind of liked that bit. Was it referred to as coaching back then? Because I um, know that it, now it's so it, big in the it, it wasn't really. community about coaching, mentoring, yeah. buddying. Not really. Not really. Um, I, you know, the, the term coach, there's a lot of terms actually that are used these days that, yeah. you know, in reality, we were doing kind of 20 years ago, but they weren't necessarily called that. So full stack developer is an example. Yeah. You know, that that is a term that you hear quite a lot where, you know, when I was working as a developer, you just kind of did whatever came up, you know, whether that was front end, back end, whatever. Um, so, yeah, coaching, I guess, is definitely a, a more modern term for it. But, yeah, it was definitely something I was doing and, uh, and they enjoyed doing as well. 
No, sounds good. Yeah. Sounds like a natural transition um, anywhere where you're going into that coaching before going into the management. Absolutely. Because uh, you can still keep hands-on. You still that. Sort of, yeah. And it also people refer to as SMEs now. So you're subject matter experts at it. Yeah. But, um, Right now, there's more paths and careers down that where probably back then there wasn't. Absolutely. Was, you go down that route or you just well, stay coding. I guess the, the organisation part of, of the job as well, you know, um, I had a, a flair for making sure people were being organised and, and projects were being organised. And I guess that's kind of what led me to join MPP Global. It, uh, it leads us on nicely because yeah. um, you've obviously been there for, for a while and there's been quite a lot of changes, a lot of exciting things happened yeah, recently. So absolutely, uh, t- t- talk us through that journey from, from sort of MPP Global as you joined it to now being part yeah. of that, the Aptitude family. Yeah, so um, MPP Global were actually acquired by a company called Aptitude in October 2021. And um, MPP Global actually developed an application called eSuite, which is a subscription management platform. Um, we work for clients um, in the media group and entertainment sector. Um, I personally was brought in um, as the manager for the Manchester office. Um, so I was brought in to help build, recruit, plan work, improve the delivery and help grow people professionally and personally within the office. Um, I've been here about nearly three years, not quite three years, um, during which time I've been um, steering the software delivery for the product roadmap. Um, but also in that time, I've actually established a brand new office in Manchester. Um, I've continued to foster the culture of belonging that we have in Manchester, which I, I would say is quite strong. It's quite a, a kind of a, a strong theme within Manchester. Um, I've done that by organising team events um, and getting engineers involved in the local tech community which is thriving in Manchester. Um, Since the acquisition of um, MPP Global by Aptitude, I'd say my work has actually extended even more. So I've been helping to plan the structure of the software group, um, planning our extensive recruitment drive that we're working with Maxwell Bond on, uh, but also organising the upskilling of of new starters um, to make sure that we've got the new recruits uh, with mentors and, and and a plan for those new recruits joining um, us in Manchester and Warrington? See, it, it sounds like there's a lot that's gone on over the last three years. Um, especially like you, you mentioned earlier about uh, however many years ago, Manchester being a, a tech hub and thriving mm. versus Sheffield. Yep. I suppose that's grown even more so in terms of the, the difference in terms of the opportunities here versus versus anywhere really in the, in the UK outside of London. With there being so many brands in Manchester um, doing quite a lot of exciting things, mm. what what does the, the the future look like for Aptitude and uh, and what is it that you guys are doing, which is helping you attract the amount of talent yeah. that you are doing right now? Because you're doing something right, but it's just I think it's one of the best kept secrets in Manchester, <laughs> being honest. But what, what what is it that you what is it you're doing really to foster that and, uh, and attract the talent that you are doing at the moment? So. For me, when I get asked this question during interviews, which is, you know, it's quite regular, I get asked this, and MPP Global is, it is quite a small company. It is it is a small company, but it's now been acquired by a much larger company. And MPP Global, as, as it was before October 2021, had a, a real strong family feel about it. Um, as I mentioned, that culture of belonging 
that's that's something that we've encouraged and we still foster to today. With attitude coming along, it's actually become much more exciting because we can put our stamp on how we like to develop people, um, how we kind of bring them along uh, in terms of their own career progression. But we've now so, we've got the support of a, a bigger company like Aptitude that want to grow our Northwest based. Um, so they're committing to growing the Northwest tech base. Uh, they want to continue to build the community that we've got in Manchester with passionate people that want to work on good technology and good platforms. And I guess we really believe in that personal growth and that's been supported by Aptitude. Um, so it's, it's definitely an exciting time, I'd say, to work for us. Sounds it. Yeah. Um, so last question, I would like to finish off on these, Chris, but if you could go back and speak to the Chris that was looking at moving into Manchester at that point, if you give your younger version one piece of advice, if you were to enter the tech world right now, yep. what would it be? I guess the advice is definitely relevant today as it was uh, from a younger self. Um, but my main bit of advice was don't be afraid to go out of your comfort zone um, because you'll often gain a lot of knowledge, experience and acknowledgement by going out of your comfort zone. Um, I'll give you an example of where that's worked for me and, and maybe a, an area where I was feeling a little bit worried about going out in the comfort zone. So 2004, I was 26 and um, I'd been a Java developer for about four years by that point, straight out of university. Um, and I was asked to fly to Cairo, 3000 miles away to join a Nokia tech conference um, to join a lineup of, of experts so you, you, you must, must have seen these conferences yeah. where guys sit on the you know, stage and there's a big audience of people randomly asking questions. And I was asked to join this lineup of experts. And I was thinking to myself, am I really qualified to do this? Do I know enough <laughs> about Java? Do I know, know enough about the Nokia platform to be able to do this? And you know, the prospect of doing something like that in front of an audience, probably about 2,000 people there, it was quite nerve-wracking. I can imagine. But I went for it because I thought, I'm never going to get this opportunity again and, oh, very unlikely to get this opportunity again. And, you know, who knows what this could lead to and, and what experience I'm going to get from it. So I went for it and I did it. Um, I did a bit of preparation. I just didn't go in kind of cold. I made sure I understood the roadmap. I made sure I understood the technology I was going to be talking about. I practice public speaking because obviously that's something again that not everybody finds natural to do. Um, and I, I, I just gave it my all. And off the back of that, it really gave me the confidence to um, believe in my own knowledge and my own ability and to take opportunities when they arise. Um, you know, when something like that's presented to you, you might think to yourself, God, you know, uh, you know, again, have I got the, the background and the, the understanding to do this? Well, the reason that's been given to you is because somebody believes that you do. Yeah. And you should take that opportunity. And I would say that's propelled me in my career, um, just taking those opportunities. And, and it's kind of led me down the, the, the route I've gone. How, how did they, how were you told about that? Was it like a letter of call? <laughs> um, so the company I worked for, we um, basically we were basically contractors for Nokia at the time. And 
Um, I was working on um, an area of Nokia called Forum Nokia, which was their education area. Right. Um, so they had sites throughout the world uh, that did training on um, developing applications for the Nokia platform. This is kind of pre-apps in a way. Um, so I was, I was already working on the Nokia project and I was working quite closely with the project manager over in the States for Nokia. And I'd done a few of the training sessions for Nokia. So I'd been in front of people talking, but I'd never done something of the scale that they wanted me to do. Um, and what they wanted me to do is to go over to Cairo, do a training session for a couple of days on the technology I was um, doing the training on. And then the, um, the actual standing up in, in front of the, with the experts in front of 2000 people uh, was thrown at me kind of like the last minute. Um, but it was something that I thought, let's give it a go. Let's give it a try. So yeah, to answer your question, I was given notice, but not much notice. <laughs> um, but it, it, it felt like something I could do um, once I kind of put my mind to it that I'd potentially go out of my comfort zone. I, I think uh, I think what's really good to hear about that is somebody who was getting magazines, nine years old, coding, showing your mum and dad stuff. Yeah. So then I, maybe even saying to your mum and dad, I'm getting flown to Cairo to go and do a tour. <laughs> yeah. They're like, God, those magazines I'm, paid off. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a lad from a small town in South Yorkshire where, you know, my mum and dad still live there. My friends still live there. Yeah. And you're quite right to, to then say at the age of 26, oh, by the way, I'm going out to Cairo. Um, I got flown out to Singapore. I got flown out to the States. It, it, it was mind-blowing. It yeah. really was, as you say, going from tapping away on a spectrum, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it is crazy. Um, I'm not one for quotes, but inspirational quotes. I, I'm not really, I, I kind of don't go with that, but I'm also not um, a hockey fan, but the reason I'm going to tell you this one, I wrote it down and it's something that's kind of stuck with me for years. There's a guy called Wayne Gretzky and he's a very famous um, ice hockey player. Yeah, I, I used to live in Calgary. There you go. So, yeah. So you'll know him. Yeah, um, no problem. As I say, I'm, I'm not a fan. Um, but this quote is fantastic. Uh, and what he said is, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. And I think that, that kind of sums it up really well. And um, if something's presented to you that you think is a great shot and somebody is believing in you that you can do it, then you should take it because you'll never get that shot again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Trusted Tech Talks podcast with me, Manny, and my guest speaker, Chris O'Connor, Software Delivery Manager at MPP Global, part of the Aperture Group. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn and Spotify and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss another episode. If you want to discuss this topic further, have follow-up questions or are looking for a new position or be a guest on our next podcast, please get in touch via email or LinkedIn.